worry about some folks that if the first resurrection takes place on a cold or rainy day, I don't know. They may not, they may not be available. What can I say? But I'm glad to be in God's house. And, of course, then you worry about some that might run late, huh? <laughs> oh, brother. Well, Second John. I'm going to look, begin with verse 6 <clears throat> of Second John, verse 6. And this is love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Verse 8, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Everybody said praise the Lord. I want to work for a little while this morning on things that really matter. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Thank you, dear God. Well, in spite of the, the coolness of the hour, and I seem to have word from the weather lady that it's going to get cooler, and uh, that'd be my boss. And, uh, but uh, I want to tell you that there are many things that are going to challenge far worse than this little dip in temperature. Many things that are going to try to wrestle away from you the things that matter, the things that really count. And uh, somewhere along the line, an individual, each individual, must make up their mind that they're going to live for God no matter what. They're going to serve God no matter who turns back and goes whichever direction. That they're going to, you can't help but appreciate your Bible and what it gives to you, the knowledge in Acts chapter 2, how that, and, and also the last of, of Luke, how that there were those about 120 out of a group of above 500 that set their shoulders and held up their heads and were determined, just absolutely determined, that they were going to obey the voice of the Lord, the words of Jesus Christ. And they were going to go and forward and live for God. And they were going to follow his instructions, and they did. And weren't they greatly and amply rewarded. I mean, how marvelous that they went to that upper room and they gathered together there when many others, absolutely many others, uh, at least, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 380 plus that had stubbornly refused, just stopped their ears and dismissed what the Lord said. But they were the losers. You know, they were the losers. They missed out on the greatest gift anybody could ever receive. They ran to this and they ran to that, just like the you read in the Bible about the ten lepers and how that Jesus had mercy on them, told them to go and do according to the word of God. And in route, in obedience, simple obedience to what he told them to do, they realized that they were cleansed. All the cancer was gone. And the fingers were restored. And the nose was restored. And, and they were fine. And they were healed. And yet only one of them returned to give thanks. Only one of them showed a real appreciation for what had taken place in their life. <clears throat> the nine, Jesus asked the question of the one who returned. He said, well, weren't there ten of you? He said, where, where are the nine? Where are they? Well, that, that really becomes a, an important question, doesn't it? You wonder where some people are. You wonder what is so important. What is it that they're doing? 
what is that is what is it that's occupying their mind? You know. And of course, people always want to, you know, go run in different directions, but claim that they're all right. They want to claim that everything's cool, you know. But you know, the Bible said God knows your heart. And God cannot be fooled, not at all. Nobody's going to pull the wool over his eyes. And his eyes are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. He sees it all. He knows it all. And he's, he's really going to look <clears throat> at the people who are doing his will. It's been said about his eye and that even, it even talks about the apple of his eye, that which is most precious in his sight. And to watch 120 people square their shoulders and go forward and determine that they're going to not only say they love God, but they're going to walk in that direction that shows that they love God. They're going to live in a manner that confirms that they truly love God and that they love the truth that God has given, and God is truth. There are many confused minds and hearts today all over the earth Billions of people that are running to and fro, that are scrabbling about, trying somehow in their own minds to make it, to make it. Well, the only place to make it to is heaven. You're not going to have to make it to hell. You're just going to wind up there because of disobedience, because of what's that word, procrastination or that putting off. Constantly putting off. Somebody said you can put off and put off until you put it off. You never do get around to it. Everybody said amen. Very important. Very important to focus on the things that are truly important. The things that really, really, really matter. And everybody said amen. Let's give God a big hand, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, great God. Thank you, great King. Thank you, great Savior. You want to let God impress upon your mind and your heart the things that are really important, the things that really matter. It's very easy and very simple, as it is written in the book of Hebrews, lest at any time we should let them slip. It's easy for things to slip away. Now, people know how to go fishing, and they know how to they learn the tricks of how not to let that fish slip away. They know certain things, techniques, and tactics. And people learn different things in life that appertain to so many different kind of things like that. And that becomes so important to them. means a lot to them. But somebody's not looking at the big picture. Because it is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, it's the judgment. You want to be able to leave this life rest assured. Maybe that's a good literal terminology, rest assured. Everything is all right. As the Jamaicans say, everything is airy. That you really feel that I've got it all taken care of because of him. I've given my life to him. I've committed everything unto him. I put him first because he is first. Whether you acknowledge it or not, he is first. Lots of people can say things with their lips, but the Bible said their heart is far from him. But if we draw nigh or draw near to him, the Bible said he'll draw near to us. That's a wonderful promise. The things that God requires of us, are not unattainable or unachievable. They're not difficult. He's really looking for simple obedience. He's looking for belief. He's looking for you to, as he said many times over and over, he would say, only believe. Only believe. And everything can be taken care of. Everything can work out. If you'll be leadable, teachable, trainable, if you'll present yourself in God's hands, present yourself, put yourself in God's hands, then the Lord is ready. There's nothing about him 
that's running late, okay? One place in the Scripture made it crystal clear that uh, the Bible teaches that there was a, a death that took place among those that Jesus loved very much. And he wasn't uh, there when it happened, when it took place. And so the Scripture teaches that they, they were together, the disciples, with the Lord. And uh, he told them that there was a problem and said, we, we're going to go see about it. And they, he said, but we're going to wait two days, two more days. So the two days came and went. They headed on to Bethany in the Mount of Olives. And when they got there, Jesus is met by the victim's sister, very upset. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Almost an accusation. Depends on the attitude or the, the, the spirit of the individual. Could have just as well been a plea that, I know if you'd been here, everything would have been all right. You know. But you know, the Lord made it clear. His intentions is always for our good, for our benefit. And he said, it's the way it is, I'm putting it in my words, it's the way it is for your benefit that you might believe. And so the Scripture teaches that when he talked to the ones he needed to talk to, had them take him to the grave site, then he did raise that individual from the dead in front of everybody. Scripture teaches later that many people came to a feast at that town, and they didn't come because Jesus was there. They came because they wanted to see that dude that got risen from the dead. They all knew him. And boy, they wanted to interview him. You could just see all the reporters, right, with their pads and their pens, you know, and hey, hey, what was that like, man? You know, I just wanted to get a, an, inside, an insight to what took place. What a marvelous thing it was, but it was all done for their benefit. It was all done that they might believe. Jesus wants you to believe. He wants you to put your faith in him. He wants you to trust him and rely upon him, okay? That's what he wants you to do. And you, you've got to make an effort. There was a woman, told him many times, her head was down where her feet was. She had some terrible to the eyesight curvature of the spine. And Jesus called her to him. Now, you know Jesus could have stepped over there. That would have been simple for him. He could have just spoken the word from wherever he was at, and it would have been taken care of. But he called her to him. That took a lot of effort on her part. You know, her face was pretty much in the dust, and her back in the pain as she shuffled her way to him. Jesus will test your heart, your motives, your spirit. He's going to prove out whether or not you're sincere or not, or you're just playing games, or you're just ignoring, or you have other things like the nine lepers. They had all their other pursuits. They, where are they, Jesus said. Well, they were all chasing after whatever, you know. You, you surely, you know that those nine and others, they said, well, you know, if God would heal me, man, I'd live for him. <laughs> and God healed them, and then they're not to be found. They're not to be found, not at all. So you want to wake up to the fact that there is an enemy of your soul. There is, that means your life and, and particularly your, your promise that's there if you'll be, believe that there's eternal life. This life, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much money you've got. It doesn't matter what car or house you live in. Doesn't matter what great job you've got. Doesn't matter about how nice your suit is or your dress is. It's not going to matter. In the final analysis, it's going to come down to the eternal things. Everything in this life is going to pass away. 
this world and the this earth and the works therein, the Bible teaches are going to be burned up. The elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. It'll be beyond the understanding of scientists, researchers. All they'll know is that they're scared. The Bible said that they're going to pray for the mountains to fall on them. They're going to be so afraid and so scared as the heavens begin to roll together like you would roll up a piece of paper or something. Oh, yeah. When the stars fall from heaven. Now, you know, the stars are bigger than our planet. Think about that. You know? Oh, yeah. Not going to be a, a fun time for the unbeliever when he returns. And he's going to bring judgment against all those that had harsh words, ran their mouths, always had something to say negative. Not going to be a fun time. Not at all. Not at all. Somebody said one time, <clears throat> it was a preacher, and he said that God had given him a dream. And he said in the dream, there was an individual in hell, and he kept going and pulling heads up and looking and throwing it back down, getting somebody by the hair and turning them so they could see, see he could see their face and throw them back down. And it came out in the dream that he was looking for those individuals that had lied to him about this book, this truth, that had not given them, him, the right thing, the right information, the right 411. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to believe what their flesh wants them to believe. We kind of call it easy believing. You know, they just want to tell you that all you got to do is shake a hand. All you got to do is sign a card, you know. And they're very inaccurate. What did it say in one place? You do err. You make a mistake. You make an error concerning the, the word of God and the truth. And that they do because they, they try to tell you that all you have to do is say, I believe. I believe. You know, that is that. It's that empty. It's that light. It's just so sad. But people believe these things because they want to believe them, because they want to keep doing what they're doing. And yet somehow they want to claim God too. I'm trying to tell you it's not going to work. This takes a born-again experience. See, that old you that likes to do everything your way, That little spoiled child that grew up always getting his own way. I was in a, in a public place not too long ago with Sr. Sitzfeld, and all of a sudden we hear this, I thought, I thought it was a whistle or something. I thought it was something that was so high-pitched, and it just, you know, really, really assaulted your ears. And, and along the other side of the building, there was a group of people, and the woman in the group, she complained about what was going on. What was going on was somewhere in the neighborhood of a two-and-a-half to three-year-old boy sitting in a, in a high chair and at a table with his parents and just making that extremely high-pitched noise. You know, if you don't get things straightened out when they're young, the chances are very great that it's just going to get worse and harder. And God wants to get a hold of our hearts now. You know, he wants to get a hold of us now. He wants to help get us going in the right direction now. He wants to wake us up now, okay? He wants us to realize that there's a reckoning day. There is a judgment to come. He wants us to realize that we have a chance to believe according to his definition of believing. I've given the illustration many times. If we have an exit here, and if I told you that this building was on fire, and you believed me, 
you'd be making a beeline for that door and get out of here. Okay, they just had a tremendous fire in New York City, and uh, a little boy, I believe it was a little child, was playing with the gas stove. And it must have been an older model, and it didn't have the safety feature. And according to the newspaper, he he uh, created a fire. It, it just, I guess, exploded, and, and it started a fire. And when the ones that were in the same apartment with him realized that they opened the door to run out, well, when they opened the door, all that oxygen rushed in there, all that wind rushed in there, and just took that small blaze and exploded it. And uh, there were many people that died, and uh, much damage was done. Wrong door shouldn't have been opened. Wrong actions that were taken that shouldn't have been done. If you're going to believe, the Bible said you've got to believe on him as the Scripture has said. It starts giving you directions. We had a couple of people visited here, a couple of young ladies, and uh, they were from some church, so-called. I call them schools for the blind over there in uh, West Palm. And they were out here, said they were going to try to do a work out here, I guess. And um, they came and sat in the service. And they told some of our people after service that I was, I was preaching wrong because I was telling people that they needed to be baptized. And so I finally came up and I joined the conversation. And when they said that to me, I said, oh. I said, so when the Bible says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I said, you read that as he that believeth and is not baptized shall be saved. Is that right? And the individuals hung their head. And they said, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's pretty sad, isn't it? Pretty sad. That people can be so deceived and be so taken in by traditions, so taken in by false doctrine. But you've got to understand there's, there's a, a battle here between good and evil. There is a devil. He came and he disputed, if you read the book of Jude, he disputed with Michael the archangel about a particular thing that God did. He argued about it. He contended with him until finally Michael just said, the Lord rebuke thee. You know, sometimes you've just got to look people in the eyeball and just say, okay, I'm going to let the Lord take care of you. Bye-bye now. You know, I'm not going to get in an argument. I'm not going to get in a fuss, but neither am I going to tolerate your unbelief and your unbelieving ways and your, your attitude. I'm not going to have anything to do with that. You know, you let the Holy Ghost, if you have this great gift of the Holy Ghost, you let that Holy Ghost give you a steel backbone. You square your shoulders and you set your, yourself that you're going to live for God no matter what. You're not going to let anything turn you in any odd and crazy directions, but you're going to go forward. You're going to press. you got to get involved. You're going to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ. This isn't a low calling. This is a high calling. This is a heavenly calling. This is a holy calling. Amen and amen and amen. This is absolutely the greatest thing that has been offered to mankind. And that's exactly what Jesus gave. He gave the greatest. When he gave that flesh on the cross after they'd whipped and beaten him and spit on him, mocked him, gambled for his clothes, all kinds of things that they did. Tried to give him drugs on the cross. Tried every kind of a thing. And they could not defeat him. And as he had said, you destroy this temple, speaking of his body, which they, thinking naturally, did not get that. And that's the problem, that natural mind, things which people think and do naturally, the natural mind. That's why the, the Supreme Court judge said to be born again, what do I do, enter the second time into my mother's womb? What preposterous thinking is that? You know? <laughs> Jesus ignored it. He didn't even answer him in that, according to that statement. He just went right by him. And said, so you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. Or you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. And he said, now listen, that which is born of the flesh, that's flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You've got to get things going spiritually here. 
You've got to get your mind on God is a spirit. And the things he brings to us are spiritual. They're not of this world. They're not of the flesh. Okay? You've got to get in the spirit here. You've got to start looking to God as he is. And you've got to start doing things on his terms. It's not going to be like that little spoiled streak you got in you, and I'm going to have my way. It's not going to be your way or anybody else's way. It's going to be his way because he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Amen. Amen. That grieving woman said, if you'd have been here, my brother hadn't died. He said, he's going to live again. Oh, she said, I know. Oh, yes, we know so much. I know he's going to live again in the, in the resurrection. Jesus stopped the whole thing dead. He said, I am the resurrection. You know, people don't like, spirits don't like that kind of authority. But that doesn't change it. That doesn't change just because somebody doesn't like it. Okay? You want little namby-pam preaching and you want little pat-on-the-back junk, that, and that's not going to get you your, your feet off the ground when the first resurrection takes place. Okay? No, you want an experience and the word of God and the authority of God that's going to deliver you from the, the grip of Satan. There's a war for you. The devil is fighting over you. He wants you. He absolutely had said it plainly when Jesus said that Simon Peter, the man that became the apostle Peter, he said, Satan hath desired thee. Okay, Satan wants you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to cast you into hell, and he's never satisfied. Hell and the grave are never satisfied. They always want more. You better hear me when I tell you that spirit didn't get a hold. It's like the guy that was the richest man in the world when he was living. Yes, when he was living. <laughs> he's not living no more. He's not rich anymore. All right, but nonetheless, at that time, richest man in the world, and they said, as he kept on and kept on and kept on trying to accumulate, they said, hey, how much is enough? And he said, just a little more. Just a little more. Without this experience of being born again of water and spirit, you're never going to be satisfied. You're going to live an unsatisfied life. I don't care how much money you get. I don't care how much drugs and alcohol you get. I don't care how many places you go to and how many things you do. Never going to be enough. Never going to be enough. There's always going to be what it was in Genesis when the earth was without form and void. It was empty, 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 empty. But what took place? The Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. Amen. And then things begin to happen. God said, let there be light. Oh, turn on the light and let me see how things really are. Isn't that what happened to the man that became the Apostle Paul? Riding along on the road, got letters of authority, going to put people in jail that worship the Lord Jesus, fight them. All the while, had his religion. Oh, boy, he, had, he called it later the Jews' religion. Well, there's the Jews' religion. There's the Catholics' religion. There's the Protestants' religion. There's all kinds of religions. There's the devil's religion. Then there is such a thing as a religious devil. Oh, yeah. The apostle to be. Okay. Isn't it nice that God sees past our sin and past our faults and our weaknesses and he knows what we could be if we would just believe him, just line up and start doing things his way, just put your foot down and square your shoulders, hold your head up, throw your hands up and say, okay, Lord, I want to do it your way. I want to do this your way. Oh, God, don't be blinded. Don't be blinded. People just need I told a, a young, well, maybe not so young. <laughs> depends on what you call young, right? I'm young. <laughs> okay. So it depends on what you call young. But a, a couple that are no longer together. And it was a wedding. And I was talking to them the first time to ever meet either one of them. And uh, they used to be involved in the church. And now they're not. And their lives are sad. You can see that all over them. And I just put one arm around each shoulder and I, I just said, all you folks need is a good church. You just need to be in the right place with the right people, getting the right food, the right doctrine, the right teaching. That's all you need. This experience will come with it. It's what it's designed to do. Jesus offered the very best when he said to the man, you must be born again. 
of water and of the Spirit. Amen and amen and amen. And everybody said, praise the Lord. You want to crumble at the feet of the Lord. You want to give it up. You want to repent. You want to repent. And you don't want to, you know, when I first, I didn't know anything. I knew nothing. I'd never read the Bible. I didn't know a thing. Fortunately, I did believe that in God, but I didn't know how to believe in God, but I, you know, professed that I believed in him. That was as far as that went. Then I just went off to the next bar or went off to the next party or went off to the next game or whatever, you know. No more thought of that. A little conscience soother, and that was it. But I remember when I went to my pastor when I first started coming to church, and I said, I, I, I'm, I want to be baptized. And he looked at me and he said, well, first you've got to repent. And it, it was at my, the door of my mouth to say I already did, but, you know, I was on a new path, and there was something new and good working in my life. And that rebellion died on my lips. And I just said, okay. And I said, well, I'll go do it again. <laughs> well, it was a good thing that I went and did it again. I went out in the middle of a football field, and I just got on my knees and started calling on God in the middle of the night. And next thing I knew, the Lord was talking to me. And he was reminding me, <laughs> what about this? And, oh, yeah, okay, I'm sorry about it. What about this? Oh, 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 oh I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. What about this? Man, he was just beating me up like a punching bag, bringing all kinds of things to my remembrance. He made me dig deep. He made me repent properly. I could bring forth fruit that was proper and worthy of repentance. And then I went back and told the pastor I repented and I'm ready to be baptized. And I got baptized, wife and I together. And I told her that just the other night I told her, I said, you know what? From the first time that we really met, that was 50 years ago. Now from the actual getting the license and getting married, well, that was about coming up to 48 and a half years ago. But, you know, I was reaching back to that very first beginning. What a wonderful life to be in the body of Christ. There were many that rose up in our face, many that tried to dissuade us, many that tried to turn us away, many that wanted us to, would rather us be divorced and in drugs than, than having this. Why? Because they were so convicted. That's why. Because you get this experience, you become like the brightness of the noonday sun. And you come in with that shining light and that shining countenance about you. And your life is all cleaned up and you've been set free. And wh whom the Son of Man makes free, you're free indeed, my friend. And, and you're not bound by drugs anymore. You're not bound by alcohol anymore. You're not bound by the spirits of this world that Satan took a third of them with him when he was casted out of hell. He kept not his first dwelling place. It didn't mean nothing to him. Well, that's how some people act. It just don't mean no bit. I can go down the street and have the same thing. That's not true. That's not true at all. But that's him lying to you just like he always does because you better remember the devil is a liar. There's no truth in him, and there never was from the beginning, the Scripture said. He's the father of lies, and he's out to deceive, as the Scripture said, and many deceivers are entered into this life, into this world, and they're out to trick you. They're out to trip you up. They want to get you excited, go in any direction, doing anything. The devil will let you do anything except this, except this. This is the one thing, and the Bible said he even acknowledges that there's one God. The devil acknowledges that there's one God, and he trembles at that. He trembles at that. Well, he's got a lot of good reason to tremble. And people who are following him, whether knowingly or unknowingly, they are going to tremble also. You want to wake up. You want to get alert. You want to get alive. You want to let God get a hold of your life, and you want to learn how to biblically believe. Okay? 
If, if, if he, the Bible says repent, if you do that, then you're believing. The Bible says be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, the forgiveness of your sins, the putting away and the full pardon of your sins. Then if you're believing, you will do that. And if you are believing, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, the gift of God, the love of God will be shed abroad in your heart by His Spirit that He will give unto you abundantly. Everybody said amen. Amen. When I was at a funeral, we had a woman that was coming and we worked with her. And we loved her very much. And she had, she had a really cute way of saying things in testimony. She'd say, thank you, Lord. You know, so I'm wondering, is God in a tank or what is, what is that? You know, finally had to get what was being said. And then in the Cajuns out in Louisiana, the French Cajuns, they, they say they're going to wash up their God. So you'd wonder if they're going to give God a bath, you know. <laughs> but uh, you just got to pick up on these accents, right? And, uh, but this woman was very sweet, and her dad died. She was an older woman, and he, was, he had lived a very, very long time. And he passed away, and he, his funeral was over in South Bay. My wife and I went. And uh, we got to the church house. We walked in, and there was nobody there. Well, we didn't know the custom that they would go by the house and maybe they would walk from the house, if it was close enough, to the church, singing or something like that. And we didn't know that. We went in. We went right to the front and sat down. Matter of fact, I think it was that side, in that church house. And um, finally, they all came in. I think it kind of startled them that we were there. And, um, you know, we obviously stuck out a little bit. You know, we didn't. We, you know, you know, you understand. Okay. So, what can I say? I am what I am. So, we were sitting there just waiting, 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 and finally they come in singing, and everybody gets into pews, and the preacher and others get up on the platform. So they're doing their little thing, you know. We're just trying to show a respect here. And um, <clears throat> the, uh, the person that was over the service asked if I would come and say something. Well, you know, I kind of only know the way we do things, so I just got up and walked up on the platform, got behind the pulpit and preached, <laughs> you know. And while I was preaching, and John... Three, three, and five. The Lord gave me at that moment, and uh, and in the explanation of it, there was a woman in the congregation. I have no idea who they, she was, or who anybody was actually. And uh, she screamed out. She said, "Now that I can understand." But you know what? God can open your understanding to His Word if you're willing. If you're willing, get a willing obedience about you. Don't be willingly ignorant. Don't be lacking in something you can have supplied, and he will supply the knowledge. He will give you the truth, okay? He gave his life on the cross. He gave that flesh so that you might have this truth, so that you might repent, so that you might be baptized in Jesus' name, and that you might receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, great God for what you've done for us. Coming to the church early this morning, and it was a little cold, wasn't too bad. And uh, just coming and just talking to God on the way here to pray. And I just thanked him for all the years. Two little kids who didn't know anything. Lost, going in wrong direction, tripping all over themselves and everything else. And how he pulled us out of the fire. How he brought us to the place to where we could be born again of water and spirit. And how that we were baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ together by the pastor. And that shortly after that, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then shortly after the first one was born, she was great with child. My wife used to kneel and everybody pray for her. Then they'd have to help her get up because her knees would lock. And she couldn't get up. She prayed so hard and so long. But you know, her mother came down and uh, for the birth of the first child, and that child was one week old, and we came to church, and uh, there was an evangelist, and he was blind, and he was, Brother Dunn, my pastor, had him come to the pulpit to preach, and as he stepped up to the pulpit, he said, now there's a woman out there, he's blind, he said, there's a woman out there, and he said, he didn't say there's somebody, he said, there's a woman out there. And he said, and you want the Holy Ghost. 
He said, if you will come up here right now, he said, God will give you the Holy Ghost. And my wife looked at her mother, and she looked at me, and I can't even remember who she gave the baby to, one of us. And she marched up there, long walk, long aisle, and she stepped up on that platform, and this preacher being blind, he would reach out and take you by the hand, and then he'd laid his hand on her head, and he prayed in the name of Jesus Christ, and God filled her with the Holy Ghost right there in front of her unbelieving mother <laughs> and a whole bunch of other people. And then he said, okay. <laughs> and so she walked down and sat, got the baby and sat back down, and we went on and had church, and whatever happened, I can't remember the rest of the service for that, to tell you the truth. And uh, so we went home that day, went home that day, and, uh, and she was, I, I went to witness to somebody that had been biting to church, and when I came back, I heard this sound, and I, it sounded like, ah, 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 and I was like, what in the world? And I thought, you know what? Maybe there's a mouse in the house. And we were staying with a young, a couple, an older couple, uh, and we were very young, and they were trying to help us out, and so we were living with them, so I, I, the door was locked, and I didn't have the key, and I knocked on the window, and, and the brother yelled out. He said, yeah. He sa I said, I, I need to get in the house. I said, I think there's a mouse in the house. He said, no. He said, that's not what's happening. <laughs> he said, your wife's getting the Holy Ghost all over again. <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> Amen. And what happened was she told the Lord, she said, everybody gets the Holy Ghost, and they shout all over the place. She said, I didn't get to do that. And so the Lord <laughs> did it. <laughs> and they said she shouted around glass uh, coffee tables and mirrors all over, and it's never touched nothing. Eyes closed, just shouting all over the place. And, of course, when I get there, she's out of breath and flapped out on the couch or the, or the bed or something, just exhausted, you know. I missed all the fireworks. <laughs> what can I say? I know what that's like, though, because when I got the Holy Ghost, I, after two and a half hours, I leaned back against the altar, and, and they said to me, how do you feel? And I said, hungry. I want a pizza. <laughs> I was I was like uh, in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, man. Uh, you just spent. You're you're completely worn out. Your flesh. Everything that's happened has been a spiritual experience. And how marvelous and great it is. I'm trying to tell you to to get this. This is something that matters. The Bible talked about things that concern the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's two ways to look at that in my book, things that concern him or have to do with him, and then things that he's concerned about, things that matter in your life. And that's the Holy Ghost. That's the gift of God. That's his truth. That's the church. That's this message. That's heaven. That's heaven. Come on, let's stand together and lift our hearts with our hands and get a little thought out around here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, great God. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for the opportunity, God, to live for you and be in the body of Christ and have heaven as our goal, O holy Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, great God. I praise you, holy Lord, and I bless you, my Savior. Thank God and thank God. Let's give God a big hand. Oh, yes. Amen. You may be seated. When Jesus started the only church that he ever started, that's not the church house, that's the body of Christ made up of people who come out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Through the born-again experience, you're baptized by one spirit into one body, which is the church, okay? And that experience taking place, Jesus made it clear that there was going to be a pitched battle, that the gates of hell we're going to fight, but he also said they will not prevail. They're not going to prevail. You have that promise, okay? In other words, God is greater, and I'm so glad he's greater. He's mightier. Amen. He's, he's the most wonderful, and he's in authority. And when he speaks, you know, the Bible said where the word of the king is, there's authority. There's power and authority. And so when our God speaks and says, then that's the way it's going to be. And I'm so glad we can call on him. We can appeal to him. We can pray to him. The Bible said, and he heareth us, all right? His ears are open unto the cry of the righteous. So you can bring your petition. You can bring your request. He knows what your need is. But let me tell you again, your greatest need, some people think, well, I need to win the lottery. 
<laughs> you know, some people got it all mixed up, you know, or some guys out there saying, well, I need me another can of beer, you know. There's all kinds of mix-ups that go and addictions that go in people's lives, and they don't know what they really need. And you want to be sure that you know what you really need. You don't need a new car. You don't need a better job. You don't need a bigger, a bigger pay scale. What you need is the gift of God. You need the salvation of God. You need the truth of God. That's what you need. Amen. All those other things are wants, but God will supply your need according to his riches and glory. And you don't have to worry about God and his economy because he's not going broke, not like this world. And they're all kinds of mixed up. And this, you're going to see a tremendous shakeup in the economies of this world and the monetary systems of this world. And eventually, soon, I venture to say, that it will come down to a, a number system and there will be no more cash. You will not reach in your pocket and get a dollar bill. It will not be of any value, not at all. It's going to go to a number system. And without this experience and having this experience and having belief, faith, you will take the mark of the beast, okay? You're going to need God. You're going to need the church. You're going to need renewal. You're going to need to be really realizing the things that matter, the things that count. So we've got to look to ourselves, the book said. We've got to take stock, you know. You know, I have to look in the mirror once in a while and go, boy, I'm getting a little fat. Man. I, do I never thought I'd see Brother Thomas have a belly, but he's working on it. I guess that's what getting married and getting all that good cooking does for you. Everybody said amen. Believe me, and I'm looking back on uh, going, getting close to 50 years, you know, and that's my goal. I want to get that 50 years. I told somebody, if I could just behave myself for another year and a half, you know, I want to make that 50. I want to have a big old celebration, you know, and get to say I do again and all of that. Oh, yeah. But I'm trying to tell you, God is saying the things that matter, the things that count. This is what I want you to be concerned about, okay? Get your mind on that. And that's when that happens in your life for the first time. That's when you'll repent and you will then get baptized in Jesus' name and you will then receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then from there, it's Romans to Revelation. You begin to walk in the truth and in the spirit and you learn more of him and you grow taller and deeper and more fruitful in God. He ordains us to go and to bear, for, bear much fruit, okay? That's what he wants us to do. And that's a fruit unto eternal life. There's a promise that when you come to that place where the death angel is about to hit you with the sting of death, that uh, you have no fear. You have nothing to worry about. They did say in history that the Apostle Paul, burly, shoulder, burly soldiers on each arm were going to walk him down to the guillotine or whatever way, chopping his head off. And uh, history teaches he broke away from both of them, and he ran and laid his head down. Have at it. Can't wait. Oh, yeah. Well, you've got a no-so salvation. You've got an experience that is real and genuine. And you don't have to fear what man is going to do to you. You don't have to fear the systems and the... the uh, plans the enemy has, everything you watch him that's being done, you need to realize, you need to see the spirit of it, what the enemy is doing. And he's bringing things more and more under his control, more and more to where he feels like that he's going to lead the armies of this world against Jesus Christ, knowing, though, that he's lost and that he's going to lose that. But, see, he's all about deception. He's all about getting as many as he can to follow him to that place called hell. You don't have to be one of those. You don't have to be a part of that multitude. You can be delivered. You can be saved. You can have the truth. You can get your eyes open and, and take away the blindness that keeps you from seeing the glory of God in this truth and in the face of Jesus Christ. I trust that you will give a little heed to what the Scripture said. It said, look to yourself. 
look, you actually get biblical sanction to be a little selfish. <laughs> you know, I got I to take care of me here. Yes, you do, because if you're going to help anybody else, you, you got to help yourself. I remember years ago, I don't know if Sister Ann could tell us how many years ago she got the Holy Ghost here at this church, but um, I remember telling her she was all worried about this one, that one, the other one. I said, hey, if you really want to help them, then you get it first. You get it. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. People are, there's alcoholics out there. There's, there's drug addicts out there. There's people that they find all stooped over in the front seat of their cars with a baby or a couple of children strapped in the back. And they're all unconscious because they're shooting up dope. They're in a mess. They said that in the paper that heroin has been surpassed by another opiate called felanol, I believe it's called. And uh, people are just more and more, I'm trying to tell you, being led in wrong directions. More and more they want. Doesn't it remind you of the well, the future disciples that came uh, looking for Jesus. And when they got to the graveyard, the angel said, what are you seeking? We're seeking Jesus of Nazareth. He said, why seeking the living among the dead? People are seeking. They all want, really, they want the experience of the Holy Ghost. They just don't know. They don't have it in that focus that that's what it is. And so they go to the bars. You know, I had a guy come to me one time. His, his daughter sent him. And he was, he was a businessman here in town, and he, uh, he told me for two hours, smoking cigarette after cigarette after cigarette after cigarette, till, till our trailer <laughs> was just one big cloud of smoke. And uh, he kept saying how that, that uh, you know, his life was a mess, and he was shaking and rubbing his hair, and he was just in a terrible situation. I just sat there calmly, hoping he would wind down. And, and when he started to go back over everything again, I stopped him, and I said, okay, I've heard everything you had to say. I said, now I'm going to tell you. And I said, I'm going to pray for you. Okay, and God's going to deliver you from the situation you're in. And uh, one night I was here praying. Nobody was here, just me. And I was walking up and down, and it was, you know, the lights were off, and it was just quiet. And all of a sudden, somebody came in. And it was this guy's daughter. And she, she said, I want to, I want to give you something. She reached out and she pushed some money into my hand. She said, I want to give you that because you helped my dad. I said, I, I, don't, I don't want your money. She said, well, give it to the church then. And I said, okay, I can do that. I can do that. You know, people are, this guy told me he went into a bar have a, right after he got out of jail and got out of big situations and problems. I said, well, that's your first thing wrong. What are you going in a bar for if you've got trouble following you and you, and you just got out of jail? That's, you're just going to a place that's going to put you right back there. And it did. It did. A fight broke out. He thought he'd be Moses, right? Going to step in the middle of the fight and separate everybody, make everybody. Yeah. And when he did, not knowing that one of those guys was an undercover cop, and he slugged him. <laughs> oh, I guess you know what happened. The police came, and they handcuffed him, and all because he actually tried to do something good, but he did it the wrong way. Well, that's us without the Holy Ghost. We do things. We want to do things, but we do it the wrong way. We do it the wrong way. We listen to the wrong voices. We get the wrong so-called advice, and we run with the wrong crowd, and we're in the wrong places, I'm trying to tell you. Let God become the head of your life. Give yourself to him through the truth, the Bible truth of the Scriptures. Put your finger on chapter and verse, and I've told many a person that. Here, you can read it for yourself. It's right there, okay? And we can help you to get the understanding, to get the sense of it, that God is trying to pull you out of darkness, trying to bring you out of sin, trying to put you your feet on the straight and the narrow that leads to life eternal. Look to yourself. You've got a chance here. Every good thing that you do, every proper thing, every righteous thing that you do, every obedient thing that you do to God's Word, you want to look to that. You want to protect that. You want to keep that. You don't want to let any spirit through anybody steal that from you. You know, we had mothers. We had fathers. We had aunts and uncles and cousins without number and friends. We had them. And we had to turn our back on them and turn towards God. And no matter what they said, 
I remember going back home and what one time was home and trying to witness to people, meeting with much rejection. And uh, one of my friends had come along, grew up together, and he, he came along with me. We got back in the car to go somewhere else, and he said, you need to, you need to change your way of doing things. I said, what do you mean? He said, because everybody you talk to, they get mad at you. <laughs> I said, well, I can't help that. I said, I'm only telling them the truth of what they need to do. And, uh, but, you know, the problem is people want to do what they want to do because they're in the flesh. And I was like that, and there's other people that are like that. They're following the wrong thing. They're chasing the wrong thing. You've got to wake up to what's really important. You've got to ask yourself, how do I get off this treadmill that I'm getting nowhere? I'm just wearing myself out. The enemy, I'm trying to tell you, is after you. He wants to destroy your life. And eventually, eventually, it's going to be destroyed. And you're going to get sick. And you're going to die. The death angel is going to come right on in, and bam, you're going to be taken. And you don't want it to be like that rich guy, you know, that fared sumptuously every day. Patted his bigger, big, fast food belly, and and uh, you know, and uh, admired his clothes and everything, and had so much. And then he wouldn't go to church, wouldn't get involved, wouldn't get the experience, wouldn't humble himself down before the Lord, wouldn't repent, wouldn't get baptized in Jesus' name, wouldn't get the Holy Ghost, just stubbornly turned away from everything, chasing everything, had to keep increasing his goods, even to the point that the Bible said he built a, a nice big barn, but he said it's not big enough. He's going to tear it down and build me a bigger one. And that's when those fateful words came through and said, Thou fool, this night, thy soul, thy life is required of thee. It's all over. Now, now, you're not going to care one little bit about who gets what. Everything with this life is going to be gone. And you're going to be in a new place. It's going to be ugly and it's going to be nasty. It's going to be torment. World without end. And that's what happened to him. The scripture shows you that he began to cry out. And needed help, needed mercy, needed some water. Needed somebody to go back and tell his family not to do like he did and come here. Because I'm in torment. Oh, yeah. Started praying, started getting the burden, but it was too late then, wasn't it? Today, the Bible said, is the day of salvation. We're living in a period of time known as today. And you can, you can get things right. You can repent of your sins. You can tell God, I'm, I'm sorry. I've made a mess. I want to be forgiven of all of that terrible life I've lived. And uh, the way I'm doing things is wrong. And my unbelief is wrong. Help me. Help me to believe you. And if you're repenting, then you're showing that you are believing. You're on the, taking the first steps of believing. It's like a child that, you know, finally quits crawling and gets up on his legs and begins to unsteadily walk a little bit. Well, the song say, look at me, I'm walking, right? And, and that's what it's like when we start repenting. We're showing that we're believing because we're, we're doing what the Scripture said. Believing is action. Believing is action. And then we move on. We walk a little better, stand a little taller, and get a little more balanced. We get baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness, full pardon of everything you ever said wrong or thought wrong or did wrong. What a marvelous thing that is. Amen. And then... You come to that place where you can receive the gift of God's Spirit and that He will come into your believing heart and He will take control and speak through you and you'll speak in a language that you weren't taught by anybody. It will be a sign. It will be a token. It will be evidence that you have truly gotten God's Spirit in your life. Everybody said praise the Lord. You can stand now. So this is love.
that we walk after his commandments. We're going to repent. We're going to be baptized in Jesus' name. We're going to get the Holy Ghost. And then from there on, we're going to grow in grace and knowledge. And we're going to learn more of him. We're going to bear more fruit for him. And we're going to win others. This is the commandment. That as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. That's right. What you've been taught and what you're being taught right here, it is right. And you want to stay with it. You know, the devil, would ju he hates it. And he would love any way he could to pull you out, pluck you out, tempt you out, entice you away, deceive you. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. They don't have the revelation of the mighty God in Christ, of flesh, of spirit in flesh, to wit that God, who is a spirit, was in Christ, in the flesh reconciling or bringing back the world unto him. People who are lost. God's reaching, God's reaching, God's reaching. Let him reach you. He said, look to yourselves that we lose not. You've got something within your grasp. and Your mind is grasping it. Lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. A full reward, a complete this is the promise that we have, life eternal, to be with him for world without end, where everything will be, you're talking about airy, everything's going to be great. It's going to be marvelous because there'll be no devil. There'll be no sin. There'll be no darkness. There'll be no pain. There'll be no suffering. There'll be no kind of sickness. How marvelous it's going to be. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's take a moment, shall we? Let's lift our hearts with our hands and love the Lord. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, great and mighty King.